Hello everybody and welcome to episode 188 of the Find Your Model Health podcast. The podcast for those looking to understand what's going on with their body and want to optimize their long-term health and weight goals. I am your host. I am Shmaine Linney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, biohacker and certified iridologist and I'm very happy to have you back with me on this May day. We're getting so close to June and closer to summer and I couldn't be more excited for consistent sunshine and warm weather. So I hope you're very well and I am grateful to have you spend some of your day with me. In this podcast episode, we are looking at diverticulosis and how then it can evolve into diverticulitis. Um, This is very, very common and I don't think many people are aware of it, but we are going to go through everything. But first, I must remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your doctor before you make any lifestyle changes. Okay, so let's go on. Diverticulosis is the title. So the walls of our large intestine are supposed to be smooth, but sometimes what happens is that wall loses its integrity. So the tissue loses its integrity, um, resulting in the formation of small pouch areas or pockets called diverticular. Now, diverticulosis is essentially the presence of these diverticular in your intestines, which makes sense because osis refers to being affected by something. So diverticulosis means there's an abnormal increase in these diverticular, so we use the suffix osis, whereas the suffix itis refers to inflammation. So when you think of like rheumatoid arthritis, that is inflammation of the joints. So there are different categories of diverticulosis, such as complicated and uncomplicated. But for our purposes, we will focus on the idea that the majority of people will have asymptomatic diverticulosis, which means the majority of people have diverticulosis. It's really super common um, to the point that almost all of us who reach 90 years old will develop diverticulosis, but many of us already have it. It just has not been diagnosed yet. So the clearest way to see diverticulosis is with an MRI. And not many people actually get MRIs. It can be quite expensive and a lot of physicians can be reluctant to prescribe an MRI or um, give you a referral for an MRI. So it's my belief that the majority of the population does have diverticulosis, myself included, but because we are asymptomatic, we don't have any symptoms that there's an issue going on in our gut, that it hasn't been brought to our attention or our physician's attention, and we haven't got a confirmed diagnosis. But when we look at our environment, the way we live nowadays, nutrition, 
it's quite clear that the majority of us do have some sort of gut issues. And as I mentioned at the start of this episode, that when we look at the intestines and diverticulosis and even any sort of autoimmune issues, and it's believed that diverticulosis, well, at least diverticulitis, they are autoimmune issues. But the cell wall or the gut cell wall loses its integrity. So that means the tissues they lose their strength and their resiliency and their elasticity they become weakened then those weakened areas start to bulge creating pockets but you don't just have to look at your gut as many of us health practitioners know that whatever happens with your skin it usually is a reflection of what's going on in your gut. So if you have a breakout on your skin or you have some sort of eczema or rash going on, it's usually a reflection that there's a problem going on in the gut. So if you find that your actual skin integrity is not good, you have dry skin, maybe you have more wrinkles than you should for your age, maybe your skin is very gray and pasty, that's a good indicator that your gut cell lining or your gut cell wall has also lost its integrity too. And many of us think, well, I'll just take some biotin and some collagen and some antioxidants for the skin on my face. Well, those same nutrients will also improve the integrity of the skin in your gut. But I digressed. So like I mentioned, the clearest way to get a diagnosis of diverticulosis is on an MRI. And then even if you get that diagnosis, I don't think that's a scary thing. I don't think that's a problem. I wouldn't be worried about it. In fact, I find that would be empowering because um, as you're going to see in this podcast episode, if you let it get too bad, then you're going to have a problem. So it's empowering that it's hopefully going to motivate you to take better care of your health and your nutrition. So the cause or pathophysiology behind diverticulosis is debatable, but one of several theories is that low fiber intake can significantly contribute to diverticulosis since lack of fiber causes our stools to become somewhat dry. And this is all not just fiber, this is also hydration. So um, the theory is that low fiber and low water intake can significantly contribute to diverticulosis because this, the stools or your poop becomes dry, which can lead to decreased colonic motility and constipation, which forces our colon to create higher pressures to move the poop or the stool through the colon. And this high pressure can cause parts of the colonic wall or your gastrointestinal wall to herniate out in the form of these pouches called diverticular. So that's the pressure along with the weakened tissue integrity and we get these pouches. And now I also must mention that diverticulosis is believed to run in our genes. So it is a genetic trait and as with all genetic traits, the it doesn't mean it's definitive that you're definitely going to get it. And if you do have diverticulosis, it doesn't mean that you're definitely going to get diverticulitis. Um, because as we know, with all genetic expressions, we can turn them on and off based on our lifestyle practices. So the choice really is yours. 
But back to these pouches, since these pouches are exposed, they're more susceptible to becoming compromised if bacteria or residue accumulates on them. So that could even be food that gets stuck in these pockets. Um, and then that will cause the diverticuli to tear and get infected and get inflamed. And if that happens, then diverticulosis becomes diverticulitis. And this condition is a problem. This condition can range in severity, um, but generally symptoms include abdominal pains, nausea, vomiting, abscesses, uh, other symptoms like diarrhea, severe constipation, uh, and that seems very contradictory, but we can get the severe constipation in that these pockets get full and they stop the, our bells from moving properly. And then there's the diarrhea, autoimmune aspect, in that when we eat, we just flush everything through because our gut is already stressed and it's pretty much in survival mode. Um, but when we look at, um, let's just look at a couple of more symptoms that you might experience when you have diverticulosis or diverticulitis, because every person will, of course, be different. So again, we could have that pain in around your abdomen or even on your lower left side, you may have a severe pain there at your um, descending colon. Then you've got bloating, diarrhea, constipation, you could get nausea and vomiting, you could get fever and chills, you can get blood in your poop, uh, bleeding from your rectum. Abdominal pain is the most common symptom of diverticulitis and it will most likely occur, like I said, on the lower left side of your abdomen. Um, kind of like the lower left of your belly button, but it can also develop on the right side. I mean, that wouldn't be so uncommon, but if you do develop any of those symptoms, especially vomiting or blood in your stool, it may be a sign of a serious complication from diverticulitis, and that may be the infection is spreading, so you would want to contact your doctor immediately if that happens. Um, and then there are other complications, like I mentioned, where it can become inflamed, but also you can then have that tissue then form into something less desirable. So I don't like to mention the C word too much, not the C word of 2020, but the original C word. So there is factors that can cause this to be worse and then the outcome can be worse than we would like. Anyway, so um, I did mention that to get a diagnosis of diverticulosis and then of course if you're experiencing symptoms diverticulitis you are looking at um, the MRI like I mentioned but you can also get an abdominal ultrasound. They're not always totally accurate. You can get a CT scan, you could get an abdominal x-ray. Obviously, I'm apprehensive about recommending x-rays. A colonoscopy um, that can examine the inside of your gastrointestinal tract can give a diagnosis. You can also get the poop test or stool test to check for infections like Clostridium difficile or C. diff. Um, 
A urine test, not so accurate, but it can obviously check for infections if you're experiencing symptoms. Um, blood tests would be able to check for inflammatory cytokines, uh, kidney or liver problems there. Um, a pelvic exam, again, not so accurate, but you can obviously say, ouch, if your doctor presses on something or palpates something that's painful. Now, more than 75% of diverticulitis or diverticulitis, they're uncomplicated. So that leaves about 25% of the population of people that have diverticulosis. We will, they will get complications, and those complications can be abscesses. So um, where those pockets or pouches fill with pus. Um, then there's another one, another type of abscess called phlegmon, where the infected area gets less confined, like an abscess would be just in the pocket. So this is where the infected area spreads. Then we have the fistula, that's an abnormal connection that can develop between two organs. Um, so that's the infection between, say, the organ and the skin, where you might see an abnormal appearance, like I mentioned with the pain on your lower left abdomen, you may see a bulging happen there. You may see a changing in color there. So that could be an indication that a fistula has occurred. Um, intestinal perforation, where a tear or hole in the intestinal wall can allow contents of your colon to leak into your bloodstream or your abdominal cavity, causing inflammation and affection and autoimmune issues. And then we have the intestinal obstruction. So that's the severe constipation that I mentioned, where you get a blockage in your intestines that can stop the stool from passing. So generally the pockets get totally full with, let's just say, food or waste. And then it overflows along with dryness and dehydration. And then if you struggle to pass the stool, then so... Um, Obviously, this can get quite severe, but for the majority of us, we are going to be asymptomatic um, and we're not going to have much of a problem. Now, with specific regards to what we recommend for both conditions for diverticulosis, um, where you may have the pockets, but you don't have any problems at all and you just want to keep yourself healthy. And with listening to this episode, you understand, well, if I let the inflammation and get out of control and have some sort of infection that's out of control, then I'm going to have a problem. So if you have diverticulosis and you don't have any symptoms and it's not a problem and you're well equipped with what to do, then you're looking at following a high fiber diet with lots of anti-inflammatory foods, your turmeric, your ginger, your cinnamon, ascorbic acid, which is your vitamin C, lots of polyphenol fruits, um, lots of apples, that pectin is very very important for keeping gastrointestinal integrity. Lots of vinegars. You've got your collagen and your good quality meats and even gelatin. And if you are supplementing with a high grade full spectrum amino acid profile, these are all going to help with the tissue integrity, of course. So giving you that strong gastrointestinal wall. Avoiding your inflammatory foods, especially your polyunsaturated fats, trans fats, those toxins 
toxic kind of fats, greasy foods. Um, sugar in high amounts, like a little bit of sugar is not going to be a problem, but sugar in excessive high amounts, especially when it's paired with our trans fats or our polyunsaturated fats, so that's a big problem. Alcohol, obviously a problem, but some alcohols like a good organic red wine, maybe one or two glasses a week shouldn't be a problem at all because alcohol, well, organic red wine um, is a sirtuin food, so it can influence genetic expression. And remember I said that uh, diverticulosis generally is a genetic trait, so we can then influence how it expresses itself through different foods. Um, so there's a lot there, but then when we're looking at you're in the state of diverticulitis, depending on the severity, we generally recommend clear liquids and a low fiber diet with a gradual progression to high fiber. The reason is we already have that inflammation. We don't want to... Um, expose your colon to a lot of fiber because it would just add bulk to the stool and would cause even more inflammation. Um, but you do want to eventually return to a higher fiber diet because once the diverticulitis or the inflammation is gone, you still have diverticulosis. So again, we got we return back to our high fiber, low inflammation foods. And I mentioned um, with diverticulitis, we recommend generally clear liquids, and that doesn't omit soups. Soups are going to be very good for you. Smoothies are going to be awesome. Uh, I'm not a big proponent of juices. I tend to encourage people to stay away from them. Um, but clear liquids would be obviously our bone broth, our good medicinal teas. Peppermint tea would be great. Great green tea would be great for its antioxidant profile. Rosemary tea would be another one that's great and very anti-inflammatory. Turmeric, ginger tea, those are going to be great. So when we say clear liquids, we don't mean like just water. We also mean that um, they're somewhat transparent, but they're not 100% water. But on that topic, mineral water is very, very important for um, your gut, regardless if you're in a state of diverticulosis or diverticulitis. But mineral water, as we know, is very high in essential minerals and minerals are needed to heal and regenerate the body and then depending on the water and how clean it is maybe it's um, lower in deuterium and deuterium we know is heavy water and causes a problem with mitochondrial function which of course causes a problem with cellular function and regeneration so um, I don't want to get too much into the medication aspect because obviously I don't encourage people take pharmaceuticals too much. But if you're in a state where you absolutely need to, uh, the pain and discomfort is just too much from your diverticulitis. There are options for pharmaceuticals that your um, doctor will prescribe. There's also other procedures if your diverticulitis becomes very complicated and can't be treated through diet and lifestyle practices and even medication where you could get needle drainage and this is where a needle is inserted into your abdomen to drain the abscess. Totally gross I know but it's a possibility. Uh, and then surgery of course being 
the far end of the scale where things have gotten pretty severe. Um, so there are options, but really our first approach is going to be diet and focusing on a low inflammation diet. And you can take some anti-inflammatory supplements as well. That will be very beneficial too. Digestive enzymes are they would be number one if you have diverticulosis or diverticulitis. If there was one supplement you need, it's going to be digestive enzymes because you still have to eat for survival. But now that we have a problem in the intestinal tract and the colon, we want to make sure that we're digesting our food properly so we're assimilating the nutrients, but also so we don't cause further backlog in our gut and we're making sure that we're breaking down the food particles properly. Um, so definitely digestive enzymes. Um, other anti-inflammatories, of course, I'm notorious for krill. Vitamin D in high dose is um, amazing for inflammation. Uh, vitamin C, ascorbic acid is directly connected to lowering inflammation in the gastrointestinal tract. So um, vitamin C is going to be a great one. What else would I look at? It depends on if there's an infection or not at that stage. If there's an infection, we may look at some caprylic acid, maybe some berberine. Definitely apple cider vinegar, regardless for everyone, unless your symptoms are so bad that your stomach is having issues. Maybe there's an ulcer in the stomach as well. Then we'd be apprehensive with apple cider vinegar, but apple cider vinegar would be a great one for sure for everyone, I think. Um, and then one more, what would it be? I probably would look at L-glutamine along with um, collagen to help with that integrity, the gut lining integrity. L-glutamine can be a very healing supplement for um, the intestines, especially if there is pockets or holes in the gut cell wall, L-glutamine can support healing there. So there's a lot in this episode lots of inflammation or information and inflammation. Um, I kind of sped through it, but if you go back and take notes, you're going to get a lot of information here. And of course, as always, if you have any questions, I am happy to answer any questions you have. You can um, email me through my website. If you go to shemainsmodelhealth.com, there is a contact me button. You can also reach out to me through uh, Facebook and Instagram right now. I'm happy to answer any questions. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you know of anyone that you think would benefit from this information, please do share with them. Sharing is caring and I empower you so that you can empower others. So all of this information, it's only going to benefit people. Um, and as always, if you feel I deserve a review, please feel free to leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. Reviews really help podcasters like myself reach more people and thus help more people. And that's the goal is to help people. Um, but your reviews help me help others. Um, and especially when small businesses like mine are having a hard time right now. I know there's other small businesses having a lot worse time than I am. Um, but I'm just saying every little help, help 
every little bit of help helps us small businesses. Clearly, it's time for me to say goodbye. Enjoy your day and I will speak to you guys really, really soon. And as well, if you have any podcast topics you would like me to cover, um, please send them my way. I'd be happy to do so. Okay, have a great day and I'll chat to you guys later. Bye-bye.